Welcome to our Agile Tales, where we share the various successes and trials we've encountered as we navigate corporate levels and political waters to transform the business to be adaptable to this forever changing world. Today, we have a special guest with us, Joe Justice. Joe works globally as an interim executive for Agile organizations, bringing multinational companies twice the work in half the time. He's a TEDx speaker and a guest lecturer at both MIT and Oxford University in England. In 2006, he applied Agile to automotive manufacturing, founded Team Wikispeed and set four world records. Joe joined Tesla in 2020, where he operated Agile at Tesla from the company headquarters. Let's welcome Joe as we bring him on to explore Agile at Tesla. Hi, Joe. Thank you so much for agreeing to come onto our podcast. We have tons of questions for you. I hope you're ready for us. Let's do it, Munway. Let's do it, JF. Thank you so much for rocking with me today. Let's dive right in. You mentioned that everybody more or less gets the same salary and that it's all incentivized by the stock. So can I gather here that there is very little budgeting and forecasting in terms of hiring and all the other stuff with respect to finance? Nearly zero. There are certain types that are required for reporting and auditing. That's largely auto-generated. There's machine learning scripts to provide responsibly and transparently what's needed responsibly and transparently. There's essentially a pool of money and there's a burn rate and there's a set of efficiency metrics. Those efficiency metrics are auto fit as close as anyone can to whatever the current team's mix are. How efficient is your team burning capital? How efficient are you at translating that into impacting the mission? Sometimes that's very straightforward. Sometimes that's super difficult, but it's largely automated. It's largely machine learning. It's largely real-time numbers. So you have an efficiency number with as good a fit as anyone knows how. Sometimes an awesome fit, sometimes a weird fit, but you do your best. And you can ramp up that number. And you know how well the group you're currently in this hour is performing in terms of capital efficiency versus anywhere else. So you can make decisions quickly in the field. So you don't have to escalate to any type of budgeting committee. Now that said, there's trends. So it's more that trends emerge for anyone who likes to listen to Tesla earnings calls, which have to focus on finances. That's what Winkerhorn is describing. The master of coin, also the CFO, is describing. It's these financial trends and efficiency rates. Well, our CapEx, our OpEx, he can report these trends, which are coming directly from auto-generated ML mostly. And the team's efficiency metrics, team's efficiency in terms of burn rate. So we know how much burn rate we have, and now the profit level is growing. But that's actually a bad thing. That's a game that Musk needs to play in the current publicly traded market. What's better in terms of innovation, which is the only thing that matters in the long run, is actually having attempting to have zero profit. You want to continue driving down costs of goods sold through innovation and continuing ramping up value of goods sold through innovation. And you want to use 100% of any money to continue accelerating innovation. You want zero ROI, exactly zero, not negative, not positive. This 
goes to a statement Colin Chapman, I believe, made about race cars. If your race car doesn't explode one millimeter after the finish line, you failed. You over-engineered it. And it's that idea. It's running on the absolute limit. And that's what Musk was doing. And investors really did not understand and got really angry. But it's what grew the company the fastest. It is the winning strategy. But investors aren't used to thinking in agile terms. They're always asking, what's your financial model going forward? What's your profit target per vehicle? Every earnings call, Zach's answer or Musk before that is, we're increasing our efficiency per unit and capital is being deployed everywhere it makes sense as quickly as we have appropriate uses of capital. We're not withholding capital. It's being deployed as rapidly as we have responsible avenues that accelerate innovation. The financial markets are used to saying, I need to make a mathematical model of your company so I can predict your future financial performance. That's the basis on which I'll trade. Whereas that's a flawed basis for trade. Your only basis for trade is how quickly are you innovating and how meaningful are the innovations? That's it. But these trade firms don't have that model, the majority. I mean, ARK Invest does, but they're super rare. So it doesn't fit and they get so mad. So Musk now is actually slowing down slightly the pace of innovation in order to incrementally grow profit each report so investors understand what's going on which is really too bad. It actually sub-optimizes the company. So I assume at some point Musk will take it on the chin and allow the stock to crash for three quarters or five quarters or eight quarters, whatever it is, and fully invest in innovation or even run the company negative for a little while because they have great cash reserves in order to totally leapfrog everyone again in terms of innovation. So the market understands throttle some back to say, okay, we're profitable, but it's not that profit isn't what wins. <laughs> That's not the model, but financial firms tend to manage by spreadsheet, not by understanding the innovation significance. Wow. That is definitely very different way of thinking and how to operate financially. It takes a little bit of time to get used to it. Totally makes sense. I love formula one, so I get it, but Wall Street doesn't get it. That's the problem. I'm going to ask a little bit more about funding, even though there's not much forecasting or budgeting done. I know that you mentioned there's a funding team as part of the company as a service, and that the job is to ensure there's just mountains of money that the teams can pull from. You already mentioned that there's no approval needed from the teams. What happened if the team or individual is spending money that is not where the company is going? Those people are not using the money with bad intent or even mistake. It's just not where the company wants to invest in. Then what? This is actually where Musk gets super directly involved and in a very kind and reaffirming and immediate way. Unfortunately, this is part of why Musk works 100 or more hour weeks, which is really too bad. Musk is so skillful. I wish Musk could truly recharge more deeply. He does work at a sustainable pace, but it's an incredibly fast, sustainable pace. It's this Munway, what you just brought up. It's restricting how much the company does at once. It's reducing context switching. Musk is a very talented engineer. Musk is a talented product owner. Musk is a skillful designer. 
And Musk is very knowledgeable about production methods. So mapping what designs are to what fits a relatively elegant compiler production method is one of Musk's skills. So being able to spend even more time in that directly increases the pace of innovation. But what would reduce the pace of innovation even more? Context switching loss. So Musk takes that personally. People like to start side projects. Me too. I really wanted to get more involved in Tesla racing, which Tesla does not do Tesla racing. They do not do. And Musk reaffirms that and reduces that. But people like racing and people like Tesla. So people try to do that all the time. I did do it, but not as an official Tesla function. I did it as something I did on my own time. As have many other people, groups like Unplugged Performance are really good at taking Teslas and making them incredibly quick, improving it on the racetrack. I've gotten to meet with them and do some events with them. They're just really cool people. But that's not, at least for now, an official part of Tesla. So Musk says, and many other people say too, Musk also acknowledges context switching loss and doing the fewest possible things. Absolutely, fewest responsible things. There are very few colors you can pick on a Model 3, Y, S, or X right now until it's completely automated. It's largely automated, but not completely. So until there's no overhead to switch between colors, arguably, it's gotta be drastically limited. And it is. I think Tesla has the smallest color palette of any mass manufacturer because they want to ramp up the pace of innovation. People really wanna make a Tesla boat. People really wanna make a Tesla plane. Musk will not let them. You can't, you have funding authority. If you start to go that way, Musk will at least email you. Now I should say emails are for when you're not working. Emails are, you should think about this. So emails are, there's very few, like one a month, really in the company. And there, you should think about this. If you need to know something, you're talking to the people in your team about it immediately, or it's on your phone or on the monitors and everything else is encrypted message. And I don't mean like Slack. Slack, you need to pull your focus out and pour your focus into Slack. How do I find this thread? What are we talking about? There's no time for that. There's no tolerance for that. Slack is awesome, but only if all of your work is only in the computer. If you're working on something where you need to have your focus out in the real world too, the max distraction you want is something like iMessage, an encrypted, immediate, short, tweet length or less chat. I mean, that's it. You don't want to follow a thread. That's totally irresponsible. If you need a threaded style conversation, that's video or in person, period. So email is not a thing. Most of the time, there's few people whose teams are really optimized around only pouring themselves in the computer and they may choose to work a different way. But in general, that's not the operating model. Okay, so Musk will then email when you go, when you leave the plant, if you leave the plant, or when you go to sleep in the plant or at home or in the hotel or in your car while it's charging or whatever, and you read the email, it will be to refocus you on one of the very few projects that are core to the mission right now. I think that's because machine learning is not yet so flexible as to recognize the radical level of divergence that human creativity provides. 
So machine learning is super pervasive in Tesla to augment human creativity. It's used for definition of ready and definition of done. So you can test your creative ideas against it, not for creative functions. You can auto-generate permutations and that's cool. And you can get innovative solves, but far and away, the creativity is humans. And then augmenting, is this responsible engineering? Does this fit responsibly into engineering or manufacturing practices? What's the estimated supply chain price of this thing I just thought of? Great, machine learning, super your best friend. But what humans are used for is the radical divergent creativity. And then you need another human to check, is that on mission and low context switching? So you have Musk. Now, it would be really effective if you had someone else who understood the mission so well and was so engaged in all of the operations that they could take that over for Musk and some people help, but really largely that's Musk. Wow. Okay. I have actually another question for that, but I will wait for that a little bit later because I'm still talking about money here. I'm interested in money, I guess. So what happened when there is not a pile of money for teams to pull? Because, hey, if there's unlimited money, of course, I could do wonderful things too. So are there any budget constraints at all? Because that's usually one of the constraints of the companies, regardless of company size. If there is, who determines the priorities? And how do you make sure that you live within those constraints? I'll try to be more general, and then I'll attempt to use Tesla as the specific case. Because one way I completely resonate with where you're coming from right now. It's fundamental how we handle money in the organization. And that's going to help shape a lot of the ways we make decisions and even how we execute our products. So getting that writer less wrong, getting funding less wrong is going to be really good for many things as a ripple effect everywhere. So I'm a fan. There are points in Tesla's history where Tesla almost ran out of money. So we can use those as an example, luckily that's not now. Tesla has awesome cash, but that is actually a problem. I'll attempt to even say why. It's related to how a company like Tesla thinks about money and how other companies could too. So part of my job now is to attempt to generalize what cool, quick companies are doing like Tesla and find out which parts of these are elegantly and repeatable and scale out across all of the world which Musk wants, which is cool, which is why I'm largely not restricted in doing this. Musk wants a more efficient world, more efficient industries, right? Largely, I'm encouraged. There are some things I don't get to talk about, but a lot of things I can. So the pile of money is highly visible. You, at any moment, can know exactly how much is in the pile of money. The burn rate is highly visible. And what you want is true neutral. You want zero profit running exactly as zero. That means you have an efficient use of capital at all times. There's another thing you want to observe at the same time, which is how efficient is that capital use? That's where you have a percentage fit of this work towards the mission, and that's per team. Teams are directly measured or provide a measure if they're brand new for whatever it is you're doing. You buy a robot, what's the percent fit? How did that robot contribute to your percent efficiency? If it didn't, you have a learning opportunity. If you make a lot of inefficient decisions, you, you might be coached. If you habitually make inefficient decisions, you will be asked to not be in the company. Not because anyone doesn't like you, but because you're not contributing and 
sorry, let's help you do something else that you are more skillful at doing, right? I mean, it's not hard feelings. <laughs> it's just this fast feedback loop. So you have the formulas and their results in real time to understand the financial state of the company. A bad state is cash reserves growing. That means there isn't any more ways to burn money that increase efficiency that we know of now. So now you have an innovation problem. Oh, there's plenty of backlog you could burn money on. It might be interesting. It might be exciting. It might even be on mission, but it's not efficient enough. It doesn't pass the current hurdle as being more efficient than the current net average efficiency. So it would net reduce the efficiency of the company. So you don't get to spend that money or you shouldn't. The data is right there to say that's irresponsible. There's no one to say don't, right? It's the metrics say that's irresponsible. So either the metrics wrong or your intuition's wrong, prove it to yourself and make the decision. So that's actually a problem. That's an innovation problem. If you have cash reserves, when you're running a company like this, but there are times where the necessary execution exceeded cash supply very early in the company. That was true during the model three ramp. That was almost true where the company was trending to danger. Musk was always transparent about it. And that scared investors a lot because they're not used to CEOs being transparent about that, even though that's a better future for everyone being clear, look, we were going to have to raise more cash or we won't have enough. Musk just said that investors were unhappy. Guess what that does? It reduces the stock value and makes it harder to raise cash. But Musk is honest over the long run that does earn investor support, but it really hurt in the beginning. But if he hadn't been there, it wouldn't have earned investment support. Now, if he hadn't been honest, then he wouldn't be supported by many types of investors now. Okay, so back to how Monday's handled. So you have visibility, and let's take a case where Tesla almost ran out of money. Model 3 ramp. Teams can see if I accelerate the burn rate to solve this problem, this is the date we run out of money. Because you can see it. It's a visible burn rate. I don't want that. That means... I will not get a salary and I choose to work for free under a different structure and call myself a volunteer and not an employee, or I have to go find another job and my stock craters, it's net bad for everybody. All the incentives align really close to correct, right? <laughs> it's pretty good. So I shouldn't spend money to fix this. I have to do a less optimal solution that's free or a less optimal solution that costs less it pushes that reality directly to whoever's making the decision at the point of decision-making. And you don't need any budgeting or anyone to say no in order to do that. What happened is Model 3 had invested heavily, and this is public. There's even good pictures and videos. Model 3 had invested heavily in a highly automated line. Musk has been very kind. That line was largely outfitted by a set of partners. And Musk has never publicly named those partners. He's never thrown them in the trash can, but I will. I also won't name them, but I'll say it was a largely a set of partners that heavily automated the Model 3 line and it didn't work. So Musk made a gamble. The Tesla people that were skillful at Tesla stuff were gonna keep working on S and X and also helping SpaceX 
and helping set up for what eventually became Giga Texas and Giga Berlin. We're going to essentially have vendors scale up the Model 3 line. And it did not work. They used waterfall. They used long lead plans, didn't find out that it wasn't going to work until the time you're supposed to turn it on. They didn't do early testing. They didn't have cross-functional teams. It was a traditional waterfall failure. It was also expensive. So now there's almost no money and there's not a production line that's functional for volume. What do you do? This is not how Model Y ramped then because everybody learned. So then there's almost no money. And it's exactly the situation you talked about. In the minimal money that's left, some people on the production line, these are production employees, just like anybody else, making just over minimum wage, great stock options. They got the largest tent you could get on Amazon and put it in the parking lot, then upgraded that with what's called a sprung structure, which is like a 40-year duration rated permitted building that can have sewer and electricity, but it's a tent. It's like an awesome wedding tent, basically. But they started with basically a wedding tent, a connection of them and tarps, bungee cords, spending like $200 on Amazon, right? <laughs> and, they, and you have a string of these, they started working under those. They started working just in the parking lot, but then people could start getting sunburned. So they're like, at least we need shade. And then scaling that up. And then we need protection for the power lines so we can drive cars and forklifts back and forth. So let's at least do that. And you have this organically growing production system. It's all permitted now with bathrooms and everything, but it became the least expensive modern mega factory and produces the best car sold in Germany now. Of all car types, it's the second best sold car in all of Germany. It outsells the BMW 3 Series. It's nuts. And it comes from a tent. That's a decision made out of restricted budget. Yeah, they wish they could have built an awesome solar panel, gabled, natural light, self-ventilating, even less energy draw structure. That would have been totally cool. But the budget was what the budget was. The company was going to crater financially if it tried to build another line. That's exactly how it played out. So what we can learn from for other companies is if you can give a meaningful efficiency metric for your teams. And again, Scrum is not required in a company like Tesla, but Scrum actually works really well for this. You have a sprint structure and a sprint does mean product release. A lot of companies cheat by saying we have planning sprints and development sprint one, two, three, and they have PSIs and all kinds of stuff that breaks your learning feedback loop. So if sprint means product release, design, build, test, and release, that's what a sprint means. So you have an actual cross-functional Scrum team. You know, if you're actually doing that, it works great because you can measure what was the approximated or actual value to the company of that release because you release, so it's easier to measure and how much money or resources did you consume over that time? And you can see, is that trending up, down, stable? Now you can Kaizen, you can continuously improve that point and you can do what I'm talking about. So this part can scale to any company, but yeah, sprint needs to mean release. And that needs to be a short enough time horizon that you can make a meaningful decision. So a month at a maximum. So step one is how do we get design, build, test, release of anything to less than a month? That's what I call extreme manufacturing and Tesla is super good at it. Wow. Okay. That's definitely a different way of looking at money, <laughs> how to spend money. And wow. Unfortunately, we're out of time. 
Next time, we'll pick up where we left off as we continue to explore Agile at Tesla with Joe Justice. You don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for listening to our Agile Tales. Feel free to ping us on our agiletales.com.